My name is Todd Sullivan. I'm not Warren Barter. And you're listening to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship and the arts. And today we are, as I said, <laughs> finalizing our look <laughs> at the, uh, the the Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Is there supposed to be music? Yeah, I hear it, don't you? No. Oh. Well, am I just, okay. Oh, maybe I do this. Hang on. Does this do something? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Play. Oh, there we go. Hang on. Uh, you're, and we're finalizing our look at <laughs> The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. <laughs> There we go. It's fun doing things for the first time ever. <laughs> Live, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just to be clear, the um, that, that music option wasn't available when we did this on the last stream, so we used the high-tech method of... Uh, <laughs> now it's playing again. I played it through my... Oh, I played it I played it through my headphones and just, like, put my microphone right up against the headphones. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so now, uh, now two, uh, no, three weeks later, four weeks later, uh, many weeks later, Podbean has now added the ability to use your own custom music in the live broadcast. So we're able to do that, except it took me, like, I don't know, a minute to figure out how to do that. <laughs> oh, I can turn off whether or not it loops. Yeah, don't loop. Just oh. play once. Okay. I guess okay. that's in case you want to have music so going, welcome, like in the background forever. Yeah, yeah welcome. Welcome to welcome to when bad things happen to good people, a podcast about how to do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's actually about how not to do podcasts. Whatever we're that's doing right. here. We're gonna not mess it up what first so you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Uh we see we've had, got Dungar six oh four uh in the chat room there. So hello Dungar if you wanna type a message or you know call in later. Uh you're more than welcome to. Welcome. Uh we're talking about um yeah, the handmade shell by Margaret Atwood. But first, uh I want to talk about what we're oh. doing for the next couple of weeks. Oh. Oh no, you said but first and you got me excited. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to, we've got announcements. I always love making announcements about uh, what we got going on because I pretend that people actually care about that <laughs> and uh, in spite of evidence to the contrary. So <laughs> first we're taking, uh, we're taking next Sunday off. Um, that's December 6th. Uh, we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a break because uh, we've been going on a weekly schedule and we're like tired of it. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but we are going to take the, 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 that weekend off. Uh, and then the following weekend, uh, which would be the 13th, the 13th, uh, we're going to be covering a children's book called I am jazz. Um, I am jazz is the story of a transgender child based on the real life experience of jazz Jennings. Uh, who has become a spokesperson for trans kids everywhere. And uh, I didn't realize until yesterday that uh, when I was looking up the book again, that uh, Jazz Jennings is actually um, has a reality show about her or them. Oh, okay. Um, to be fair, I don't know if, if 
if they prefer they, them or she, her, um, they were born a, a, a boy, um, but, or born, born in a boy's body, I guess, uh, but, but always felt like they were a, a, a female. And so it's, it's, it's their story. And they were involved in the writing of it. So it's, it's very much from that perspective. And when we were finishing up The Handmaid's Tale, I thought, well, we've, we've done a book covering sort of, you know, uh, the black American experience. Uh, we've done a book looking at sort of like the female perspective. What's another perspective that I, as a pretty privileged white male, might not understand and might want to explore. And my first thought was um, I would, I would love to find a book by uh, a transgender individual and um, came across this one. Um, and it, again, it, it covers two bases where um, it's a transgender, it's a book about a transgender person. It's also a children's book. Um, and there have been a lot of banning of children's books of things like this. Uh, there's other ones about um, children with like, two moms or two dads that get banned because of course those aren't traditional families. And a lot of times these bad things we had one on the, from, on the possible list there. What was it? Um, yeah, I can't, it's, it's something like this. It's an M name. I think it's like Marsha or Monica or somebody has two mommies or something like that. Mm -hmm. But that is on our list of things to cover at some point. Um, and the nice thing about doing a children's book too, is it doesn't take a whole lot of time to read. Um, we're not going to actually read this. There's a, um, there's a video on YouTube where uh, Jazz herself actually reads the book. And uh, that's what we're going to be watching to get our understanding of the book. And then we'll be talking about that on December 13th. And then we're following that up on December 20th with our special Christmas episode. <laughs> um, which features a film called Hail Mary, uh, which, according to Wikipedia, is a 1985 French erotic drama film written and directed by Jean-Luc Godard. The film is a modern retelling of the story of a virgin birth. Uh, and it was entered into the 35th annual Berlin International Film Festival. I think that might be the first time that uh, a film described as an erotic drama is also described as a Christmas <laughs> film. Uh, but I'm very, very much looking forward to that as well. Um, I think... I think yeah, the idea of a of a modern retelling of the story of the virgin birth uh, certainly maybe displeased a lot of a lot of religious groups. Um, certainly Catholics, I'm sure Catholics have a particular fondness for the Virgin Mary, and that's probably how it, it has ended up um, censored and Being banned, banned in places. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, sorry, I'm enjoying my coffee here. Um, do you wanna? Do you wanna? Tell everybody what we're going to be doing in January. In January, we're going to cover uh, a Clockwork Orange. Mm -hmm. um, it's a. I did watch the movie quite a while ago. It was. Uh, if you haven't seen it, very interesting film. Um, but yeah, we're going to cover the book, and uh, I'm excited for that one. Actually, I think that was uh, on my list for quite a while to read. Not yeah. just because it was banned. I didn't really. I knew the, the movie had controversy. I didn't realize that the book had been challenged as well, but it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, and what we're going to do, so um, we're doing the 13th and 20th, then we're taking the 27th of December and the 3rd of January off for the holidays. Uh, and then we are back on January 10th 
And uh, we're going to be spending the whole month on uh, A Clockwork Orange because we're doing both the book and the film because both have been censored in their own ways or banned in their own ways. Um, the book will be covered over two weeks, the 10th and the 17th. The 24th, we'll talk about the film. The 31st will be a, a live wrap-up talking about both the movie and the book. And uh, I'm kind of excited to be able to sort of cover... Um, I mean, we did talk a little bit about the Malcolm X film when we did that one but the film had never actually been banned. So um, mm -hmm. this one, in this case, it's something that we can, you know, we can look at the, the book and the film together as two separate pieces of art that have been banned. And what's interesting about the film is that um, it was banned in the UK by the director himself. Um, when, when Kubrick sort of learned that it was being pointed to as inspiration for certain violent crimes in the UK, he was like, well, fuck it. We'll just take it out of circulation. Then nobody can see it in the UK anymore. Um, I believe that they, they have started showing it again since his death, but um, for a long time, it could, you couldn't see it in the UK. So that's an interesting case. You don't see a lot of artists uh, agreeing to censor their own themselves, work. Yeah. 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 It's usually the opposite. They, they sort of fight for it. Um, another author well, who's done that is uh, Stephen King. He's pulled his yeah. novel rage from circulation after it was accused of being, sort of inspiration in some school shootings. And that's another one that I'd like to cover on this, 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 this podcast at some point. Sorry, what were you about to say about artists not, not self-censoring? Like... I was going to, I was going to bring up Stephen King. So, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there are cases of it, but um, mm -hmm. it's, it's rarer. And I think, well, generally you're not going to, you're not going to spend that energy creating something just to um, not have it in, people's minds right like you're not, yeah. not going to make something and be like ah no you know what i just spent years making this i don't want anybody to see it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I changed my mind, guys. it's only been out there for a month yeah. but you know what I, I think it sucks i'm, I'm pulling it away now <laughs> all right well that's uh, yeah. uh, that's what we got coming up that's our our schedule for the next couple of months a lot going on. Uh, we got some ideas for Easter as well. Some uh, some fun surprises, but we're not going to get into those uh, that today. Um, so with that out of the way, I guess we can talk about The Handmaid's Tale, which uh, I don't know. Let's just go, let's just jump on a star rating. Do you have a star rating for it? So uh, yeah, I give uh, I give it a four and a five. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, my reasoning is that I I do think. Like I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, I'm, I'm I'm sad that I hadn't gotten to it sooner uh, because I I now kind of have a desire to dig more into Margaret Atwood's um, back catalog, uh, and also I'm I'm curious to read the Testaments, uh, which is the sequel to this. Um, mm -hmm. But as much as I enjoyed it, I did feel like there were some things that um, I just little bits that I think not not necessarily could have been improved, but things that were missing. Um, I, I really and then that might have been on purpose. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm just talking about my experience. I'm not saying that Margaret was, was wrong right, to right, do it right. that way, but it's just <laughs> right. I, I feel like I would have I would have liked to have known more about the world. And I know that's mm -hmm. like this is I mean, it's in the name. It's the handmaid's tale. It's her story. But it, I felt like we got a chance to see a lot of the world, but where the where the the lines like where the where, where our, our perception of the world ended, I would have liked to have seen more. Like, do like simple things like do fast food restaurants still exist? Who works there? 
Who are those people? Um, are there still car manufacturers? Like mm. the things that we know think, exist. Think, yeah. Go Sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. I think I said, no, I think they answered the fast food thing. Did they? Because they had to go. Yeah. Like it was just like every grocery store was like its own thing. And I think that there was, well, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe there would be. But I mean, okay, maybe not fast food, right? But there must be restaurants. There must be takeout, you'd think, but then maybe not. Hmm. And then again, there's the car manufacturers and, and you know, who works with there. Because it, it seemed like literally everyone was broken down into either the, um, I can't remember what the low-level guys were called, but then the the angels and then the commanders. And and that was it. And, and well, the, guardi- sort of, the guardians. The guardians, the right. Guardians, I can't want to call them generals, yeah. but that's not it. Yeah. Um, and the, the guardians were sort of like manual labor. And I guess they're probably the ones that would be working in the, the restaurants or, well, definitely like the, I mean, the auto factories, if they're still were those, yeah. although maybe cars are imported like they are now, like maybe all the cars are coming from Japan. Maybe. Everyone's driving a Toyota now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah. But yeah, I just would have had a, you know, and a bit more about the history of the world as well, a a better, just a slightly better glimpse at at how things got to be the way they were. And that is something that, um, because I've watched the first season of the TV show now. Um, Hi there, Class One Probe. Hey, hello. uh, Someone else came in. Yeah. Um, I have seen the first season of the, the TV series at this point, and it is... It basically follows the the course of the book, but also makes both subtle and major changes, um, and also digs deeper into things uh, like the the history and uh, a, a lot more backstory on sort of supporting characters. Like you find out a fair amount about uh, Serena Joy, um, and and actually how you know her and her husband work together uh, towards creating this new state of the world. Um, and so, yeah, it's been interesting seeing how the, the TV show has been able to, like, because it's a TV show and because it's got that much mm-hmm. time, stretch out and, um, you know, explore some of those gaps. And, uh, you know, no. you find out what's going on in Canada. Oh, you do? Yeah. What's going on in Canada? Uh, they have oh, a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you oh, haven't yeah. seen spoiler the series, alert. I yeah. yeah, I guess. Um, there's a there's a little little America in in Toronto, I think, um, where basically okay. Americans who've escaped um, live. And in fact, one of the big changes, I shouldn't say it's a change necessarily, because we don't know for sure that Luke. Um, dies in the book, Luke being um, mm-hmm. the handmaid's husband. He doesn't die in the TV show, and in fact, he makes it out to Canada and ends up finding out that his wife is still alive. Okay. Um, in fact, now um, am I correct in think in in is Margaret Atwood was involved in the TV show in in at least some yeah, way, right? I don't know if she's so, like super hands on. She's like listed as an executive producer or something like that, and she did have a cameo in the right. first episode. Um, I'm just wondering also, if, like, the TV show is canon, it, like, when you take The Handmaid's Tale and uh, the sequel into account. Is it all kind of the same universe, or do you think there's been some liberties taken with well, the TV from, show? 
from what I've read, um, she did work with the TV show writers when she was working on the Testaments. And it was sort of to make sure that, because okay. the Testaments takes place sort of, I think, uh, many years. I want to say like 15, maybe more years after The Handmaid's Tale. Um, okay. It's probably more than that. Um, whereas the TV series is, you know, the, the second and third seasons, I think, follow pretty much immediately from the end of the previous one, which puts it like right after the events of the book. And so she, I believe she worked with the writers and sort of talked about what their plans were for the show so that she wouldn't contradict anything in her book. Oh, okay. Now, I don't know if that means that like she would say that the TV show is canon, but it certainly seems, and I mean, I certainly can't respond without having seen the rest of the, the series and, and read the mm-hmm. Testaments, but it seems likely that she is trying to, to do it in a way where there's at least a loose it's consistent. connection. Yeah. 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 Like and in fact, consistency. one of the things she said is that she was inspired to write the book um, by the performance of the woman who played Aunt Lydia in the show. And I think that's why, you know, Aunt Lydia is one of the three major uh, narrating characters in the Testaments. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. But to my knowledge, that one hasn't been banned anywhere yet. So I don't think we can officially cover it. <laughs> well, we can just read it for our own enjoyment. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or maybe maybe I can, like, I don't know, pay somebody here in Kamloops to like, <laughs> challenge it at one of the <laughs> schools here. So I can jump on top of it. Yes. <laughs> You must fight to keep this book available. <laughs> you should just make a club, like a banning club, just so you can ban the books you want to cover. You want to read, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess that, that takes us to, you know, whether or not um, we think this is a book that, that should be banned. Uh, I guess in, specifically in schools, because that's probably where it gets challenged the most often. Yeah. That's a tough. I'm gonna one. go. I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think uh, every girl uh, age 13 and up absolutely needs to read this book. Okay, that's, that's my a opinion. bold statement. That's it a is bold a bold statement. statement. I'm I'm made of bold statements. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I gotta say, I think 13 might be too young. I think like 15, 16 would be okay. Um. But yeah, I can definitely see why it's challenged. The some of the language, some of the ideas, some of the morbid. Um, it was dark. It was. Uh, it took me to some dark places. So, mm-hmm. um, I can definitely see why why it would be challenged. I don't know if I, I think. I think more than anything else, I I think it's the negative depiction of religion that is what the challenges are ultimately about. They See, now on that grounds, like, I wouldn't agree with that. Yeah. But, but I think, I think they might point to things like language and they might point to things like, um, like disturbing sequences. But I think under it all, the problem that the people have with this book is that those things are done in association with this negative perspective on religion. Mm-hmm. That's my, my opinion. Yeah. Cause um, there's other books that are, that are, you know, around that are pretty, out there right like yeah it's not like i mean yeah i I see what you mean by that yeah and there's you know when you're looking at schools too there's sort of two levels of banning as well there's banning in the classroom level where like a book would be on the curriculum and and Mm -hmm. parents are saying oh no i don't want this book forced on my child and then there's the other Mm -hmm. one where the book is just in the library nobody's forcing it on anybody 
Um, right. And that sort of thing. So I could see, like, I see this one as, as potentially being a book that's in, in classrooms a lot. It is something that I think teachers want to try to teach. And so there's going to be more pushback on that than, you know, books like, you know, say Stephen King novels that are, you know, gory and messed up. that are just sitting in the library, but no one's trying to make that part of the curriculum. Right. But I do stand by my position that I think I do think every every girl 13 years and older should read it because I think there's a lot of, you know, they need people. There are people who want to move the world in the direction of The Handmaid's Tale. I don't think any of them would say that's the world that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people who want to be actively taking away um, women's reproductive rights. And I think Absolutely. Yeah. women... Uh, women need as, to understand that it's... yeah. That it's happening, and and in a way that's not just having a teacher sit down and say, you know, talk about Roe versus Wade and and boring laws mm. and and things like that. Um, it's got to be done in a way that can, you know, capture their imagination and make them make them want to learn about it, and then upon learning about it, like become better informed about it. So, I think it's an incredibly valuable book. And I think uh, that's an interesting thing. Like, you know, we take a lot of our rights for granted, you know, like when we, when we live with them our whole lives and we can't really imagine um, life without them, I think, in, in a lot of ways, unless we've seen somebody living without them. And uh, she kind of touched on that in the book, like, you know, her, uh, of Fred and, you know, the other handmaids and, and Aunt Lydia and uh, you know all those people that that knew the time before um, understood what was lost. You know, even the commander who had a hand in changing everything even understood like the things that were lost and missed things that were lost. Yeah. And like the ants would talk about how you know your generation, you know, once the next generation comes up, everything will be easier for them. They won't have that temptation. They won't have that knowledge of what it was before. And uh, she really, I think, tried to hit home how fast things can change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because and she even like mentions it's only a few years, and maybe maybe the timing was often of Fred's head. Maybe it had been a little bit longer. It did seem like it would have took a little longer for things to get to where they were. But um, you know, things do change very quickly when they do change. Yeah, um, and it's and it seems to be things regress a lot quicker than things progress. Well, I think like if you look at um, like one of the reasons we wanted to look at this book was because of um, Amy Comey Barrett joining the, um, the Supreme court in the U S and the, the idea that having, you know, a bunch of the Supreme court leaning to the far right, you know, people were afraid that it's going to have an impact on, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Roe versus Wade and other things associated with that. And, you know, the thing with the Supreme Court is, um, you know, the, the it gets brought up a lot because, like, Trump was only president for four years. So, you know, he did his damage, whatever, in those four years. But the people that he placed on the Supreme Court now, they're lifetime appointments. Mm-hmm. So he has now stacked the the Supreme Court 
to the right for 20, 30, 40 years, maybe. Um, and so that that's, that's the fear is that like once, once change starts moving in a certain direction, like say they start moving away from, um, you know, reproductive rights for women, that's a direction that they can go down at least via the Supreme court for a long time. And that's, that's potentially mm -hmm. scary. Absolutely. Um, I had something else that I was going to talk about too. And I, I've blanked on what it was. Um, oh, you're right. I was going to talk to you just briefly about the, the TV show that I found it interesting that as dark as the book was, the TV show, I think managed to get um, even darker, even darker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, um, I heard, uh, or I read a comment Margaret Atwood made about, um, I think it was the first episode, how, um, which was the one that, the, the one that got pregnant that had the young baby. I can't remember her name now. Oh um, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was of Warren, uh, but she was also Janine. Janine, yeah, I think it was Janine. Is like um, just hammered by the rest of the handmaids, like slut whore or something like that. Or yeah, during that, yeah, and and she, I yeah, haven't she seen a whole, it, but I just yeah, a whole different arc. She ends up with her eye plucked out in like the first episode, and um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because she said something, and like you know, it's that whole like if it offends you, the then pluck it out or something. And um, yeah, sure, her whole arc is very different, and uh, but still dark, incredibly dark. Um, the one thing I found interesting was um, the first time that we see the ceremony. Um, that was somehow even darker and more fucked up than it was in the book just because you can <laughs> it was you could see fucked it fucked up with the book right yeah right. yeah but to actually have it play out and to see just how like everything about it is is cold and methodical and you know like the the dude is like he has his hands on his hips and looking off in some other direction as he's humping away <laughs> oh my God. and you know the handmaid is clearly not having oh. a good time and the wife is mm -hmm. like trying to get the husband to look at her and everything is just messed up and it was uh. no, and this this was the ceremony of 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 fred right that that was yes, in the yes. show or was this a, okay yeah yeah uh but we do see um well yeah no spoilers i guess but <laughs> you should watch it i think you'd you'd enjoy it at least the first season just okay. to see the the um you know what it what it kept and what it what it got rid of and what it changed um mm -hmm. of Warren's story is particularly distressing um i got uh, <laughs> i got to the end of a particular episode and i literally got up from the sofa and spent 2 minutes walking around going oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> oh jesus for real for real, Holy and like, shit. if anyone listening has has watched the show, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, no, no, because <laughs> it's completely now, different. Now from... I have, now I have to watch it. <laughs> um. Okay. So, um, do you have any final thoughts? I was thinking we could open up to like questions if people wanted to call in. Um, and then we got a couple of people in the chat room who are potentially able to call if you wanted to give us a ring and, you know, ask us questions, share your thoughts. Maybe we could wait uh, to hold off on the final thoughts until after. Yeah. 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 After we open um, it up. Yeah. No pressure or anything. <laughs> we'll just have to like all the pressure, all the kill pressure. time, kill time. Um, 
Hmm. What else have we? I mean, I've covered my star review. I've covered. I think it, everybody needs to read it. Um, I think probably men should read it too, unless yeah. unless potentially men read it and go, "Fuck, man, this sounds great." Uh, I don't. You know what? Honestly, I don't think so. And I I feel like, and I, I think I brought this up in the one of the podcasts too. Nobody really seems to be having a good time in this scenario. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. And like nobody really enjoys it. I don't like it just it feels like um they tried to they tried to like make they, the world they, better. They tried to make the world better according to a certain perspective they had and they found out that that mm-hmm. perspective was fucked up. And again, right. I think that that goes to you know why it was the, banned the with like the religion. negative religion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, if you try to live your life according to just the Bible, you're, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that guy who, uh, he put together that book, the year of living biblically or something. And he tried to like live for an entire year, just based on the rules of the Bible. Um, and I think again, like when you're, what most people, when they say like they, they're living according to the Bible, they are very much picking and choosing which parts of the Bible oh, they're following, yeah. right? Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And but, it seems like um, uh, Gilead uh, was one where they were very much trying to listen to every single aspect of the Bible, and that's definitely. I felt like they were picking and choosing too, though. Maybe, maybe. You know, like thou shall not commit adultery. Like that's a big one, right? Am I not correct on that? That's in the Bible. Right, but I mean, if if you're like, if your wife is allowing you to impregnate a handmaid, then that's not really adultery. And if you're referring to um, Jezebels, then that's, remember, like, men can't be blamed for the fact that they just have a need to wander sexually. Like, that's just how well, they that's how they're built. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that that sort of convenience, I think, is part right. of how a lot a lot of people do think, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm making these rules for me, and I get to bend them because I'm the one who made the rules, and sucks to be you, right? Because in this, in the case of the the Handmaid's Tale, like men are, you know, men are the sexual sexually dominant creatures, and they have a need to wander, and blah 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 blah. Meanwhile, the women, they're um, they're physical genetic drive is to make babies and nurture them. So they don't need to be able to go in and boink others. That makes sense, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's clearly the way the world should work. I like, I like how the, I like how in the book that is read in high schools, they use the word fucking. And on our podcast, you chose the word boink. <laughs> oh, well, I've gone with fucking before. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to wear it out. You know, there's so many. Right. Yeah. So many, and I don't know. I don't know if that, if that scene would have had the same impact if like, I'm pretty, would have written like, and it is boinking. <laughs> you know what? I've, I've talked, I've talked to you for a long time. I think if we would have worn out the word fuck, we would have done it by now. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Now I kind of want to um, like, do an experiment where you take a book and just replace every instance of the word fuck with boink and see what it does. <laughs> Scarface. Scarface. Ch- yeah. Change change every F word in Scarface to boink. 
Yeah, and in a really good don't like, boink Cappuccino. me, Tony. Don't you dare <laughs> boink me. Yep. All right, uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say that uh, maybe we don't have any callers. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we don't have any callers today. That's, uh, I guess that's okay. Yeah. Um, we just need to fill another 20 minutes or so. I mean, I guess we could go short on this, but um, what else? I mean, I didn't, I, I was a bad person. I didn't make any notes uh, about my final thoughts because I thought I could just toss them off the top of my head but uh yeah yeah we haven't looked at the book in the while three weeks yeah. now something like that yeah it's been a nice period of actually i started reading a book uh that's not related to the podcast for the first time in a number of months so nice i'm hoping i can get through that before uh we have to start reading a clockwork orange um what else what else what else what else what else um there was one thing that we didn't talk about much in the finale that was sort of a big thing, and I forgot what that was too. Um, oh, you know what we didn't talk about was the the big story of of their trying to get out. Because um, we in, and in, they, in, like them being the actual uh, of Fred yeah. and Luke. Yeah, yeah. When they tried to get out and they were stopped at the border and all right. that stuff, like we'd seen what happened before, we'd seen what happened mm -hmm. after. But in those last 100 pages, that did include actually finding out what happened and how they got, or not necessarily how they got found out, but um, I thought it was interesting um, that basically they get to the border, they have their paperwork, um, they hand the paperwork over, Luke is outside the car, you know, watching them. I think he sees one of the, the guardians call something in. He thinks they're, um, they've been found out. He gets in the car, backs up, drives away super fast, blah, blah, blah. Chase ensues. And what I thought was interesting there is at no point, and we had sort of talked about this earlier in conjunction with um, uh, of Fred's being convinced that... That it was her neighbor that called That it was in. her neighbors had called them, yeah. them in. Um, even though there's no reason to think that there was. And even, even in that moment here with, uh, with Luke freaking out, he doesn't know for sure. Right. Like, and it's, it's mm -hmm. that whole, everything is just so seeded with paranoia and fear, uh, in this world that all it takes is him seeing a guardian, pick up a phone to go. We're fucked. We got to go. Now you watch the show. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this question at you. Um, did was it explained if they were found out or not in the show? So there, that happens differently in the show. Okay. So they, what happens is they they pay a guy to take them to a cabin. Um, where they in are the supposed woods? to wait. Yeah, cabin in the woods. Um, <laughs> supposedly nobody else around. Um then he's going to go back and try to get papers for them, I think. Okay. And while they're waiting there, it's been a couple of weeks, they bump into somebody else, and upon bumping into that other guy, they freak out because now they think that that guy's going to turn them in. Mm. So they start getting ready to go, and then the guy shows up on their door. Um, Alfred pulls a gun on him and is about to shoot him, and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to help. Uh, he gives them his car and tells them where to go, but also says, like, they're coming. They know you're here. They're looking for you. And so um, they were just sort of on the run from that point. 
Um, so there was no interaction with a border. Oh, okay. So yeah, that happens differently. They that still ended up crashing. And... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, say they, uh... still, they still end up crashing on the road <laughs> and and splitting up the same way they did, but how they got there was different. Right. Yeah, you go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, like, it makes you wonder, like, because we never really knew where they were going, but they must have been going to Canada. They were going towards, yeah, the the Canadian. Yeah. yeah. In the show, for sure. But in the book, that's what I'm assuming. Like, because you had mentioned, like, maybe the colonies were Canada, but I think Gilead yeah, that was an, seems, that was an early Gilead thought. Gilead seems like it's a small think, part of the U.S. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think that's, I know you had said that early on, but I don't think that's the case. Because I think if you look at the, the like, the idea that, <laughs> hey, look, that's me entered the live stream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you like, if you think about how like the president was killed and all of Congress was killed, um, and mm-hmm. then a new law was put in, like that's affecting the whole country. That's not just like you don't take over all of the American government and then say we're just running New England. Um, I think right. this but is wouldn't, something wouldn't that's a happening. Certain, wouldn't a certain amount of the you know more liberal states kind of like? Oh yeah, I mean certainly. Okay I'm sure it? California yeah. was like. You know, they've got like armed troops on the border or maybe they've tried to join Canada. But so that, that again, that's part of the bigger picture that we didn't mm-hmm. get to see um, yeah. in the book. And we've only sort of got hints of in the show. Because, yeah, I do suspect that there are um, there are like, you know, quote unquote, freedom fighters um, fighting against this kind of thing. Because they do talk about the uh, the angels being on the front lines of some kind of combat. Um mm-hmm. Which I'm presuming I'm it is, would be civil. Yeah. 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 Um, there's actually um, a really so um, spoiler alert again for the the TV show. Um, oh, what's her name? Um, of Fred's best friend from before. Moira. Moira. Yeah. So the Moira story happens mostly the same way. She ends up in um, Jezebel's, um, but then she ends up getting inspired by of Fred to escape Jezebel's and she eventually makes it into Canada. And oh, okay. when she gets into Canada, it is one of the, the, the most amazing scenes I've seen because a, it was very Canadian, but also B it was very like, it was this stark. So like in, uh, in Gilead, she was basically a non-person, right? She was, she mm-hmm. was a whore at Jezebel's and had no rights or anything. She gets to Canada and like she's greeted there with like a like a refugee caseworker, and he's like, "Okay, so here's your free cell phone. Here's your your government health card. Here's like five hundred dollars cash to get you started. Here's <laughs> it's like this, all of this, and like her face is just like, what is happening? Um, to go from like literally a non-person to mm-hmm. like all of that. Um, and again, like that's that does strike me as very much a a stereotypical Canadian way of doing things, right? Like that's, that is totally how it would be, I think, um, which makes me super proud to be Canadian. Um, but yeah, that was, that was an entertaining, an entertaining scene. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch it now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, I haven't even had a chance to see the film from 1990 yet. I wanted to watch that, but uh, haven't gotten to it yet. I think it was on the Criterion channel for a while. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, 
We're still open to calls if anyone wants to give us a ring and uh, share their thoughts on the book or ask us questions about our thoughts on the book or um, maybe just make some fart noises. Um, <laughs> you can text some questions too if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, you can type up a question or watch in the chats. Uh, if you want to engage, happy to happy to engage with you. Um, we're glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Not sure why you're still around, but we appreciate it. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say? Any any sort of things that you forgot to mention in past episodes that you kind of realized that you wanted to bring up? I think I covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed her use of language. I think I said that. Yeah. Um, very, very creative in the way that she describes things. Um, I don't know. There's just yeah. something about this book, like not just the, the, you know, the political content and the, you know, the civil rights and human rights content and this story, but just the language she uses was just, um, it just kind of like, it sparked your imagination in a really unique way. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I can't say I've read a book like this before. Yeah. I feel like the language, I, it does remind me of, of things that I've read in the past, just in the way it's, it's a very sort of, I don't want to say simple voice in a way that's derogatory because I'm sure it can be incredibly difficult to write simply. Um, <laughs> but, but it is a very, I don't, I'm not a fan of overwritten books. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like I try to read. Um, like, yeah, you don't want to, you want to read something that's like too pretentious. Well, it's not necessarily pretentious. Like if, yeah. But I mean, there are some writers who are very descriptive. <coughs> Pardon me. COVID. Um, I didn't. Huh? COVID. Yeah. Um, I didn't. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Because I'm socially distanced at home uh, doing this podcast remotely. So near, 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 it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> Like for example, I, I really enjoy reading the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I found they were kind of overwritten for me. I found the same oh, okay. with um, Anne Rice's The Interview with a Vampire. Uh, it was just like too heavy, too much, too too not wordy, but just I don't know. Didn't care for the style. Too much, too much, okay. too much. Whereas um, another author I'm fond of, I think he was very good at writing simply, is Kurt Vonnegut. And I hope we can maybe cover Slaughterhouse Five on this podcast sometime. Add it to the list. Absolutely, yeah. We got a we got like most of 2021 to figure out. It's not like the the remote distancing is going to go away anytime soon. No, no, you didn't hear about that. What? They're planning on starting vaccinations in January. Well, possibly for the most for the most vulnerable, and then uh, they're hoping by uh, September next yeah. year. That's still like done. more than half the year. Yeah, and that assumes but, that the vaccinations are um, are approved by you know everyone that has to approve them. Right, but they're also going ahead and purchasing uh, enough of several different kinds just in case. Yeah, totally. Yeah. or something like that. That's yeah, smart. No, I, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Very excited. You're gonna line up, get your microchip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, I'm down for that too, as I'm sure you know. Oh God. Uh, like most which, people do realize <laughs> that there's no microchip small enough to go into your bloodstream, right? What? What about like yeah. uh, nanobots? I don't think we have nanobots yet. What about neener? Of course, we have nanobots. Neenerbots. Neenerbots. Different from wienerbots. So, so I'm going to take a second to mention another podcast that I do. It's called Half Cut Conspiracies, where we talk about things like I don't know microchips and vaccines. Um, <laughs> you can check it out at uh, halfcutconspiracies.podbean.com. It comes out every two weeks. Uh, there should be a new episode coming up sometime today. In fact, about um, well, it's about the UN and Agenda 21 uh, and that sort of thing. But uh, it also, I think, mentions vaccines and microchips. I think the the people who are most concerned about microchips really need to concern themselves with like, because everyone's convinced that it's about Bill Gates too. So, and we know what Bill Gates' history <laughs> with technology is like, right? These 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 microchips are going to like crash in your bloodstream, and you're going to be full of microchips that don't work. They don't do anything because they were running Windows eight point one accidentally. Yeah, Windows ninety eight. <laughs> Windows ninety eight. Which which is the worst one? Uh, I was crossed between Windows 8 and uh, Windows Me. Oh, yeah. Me was horrible. Yeah. Windows 8 was pretty bad, too, though. It was trying to... Um, they were trying yeah. to move in a direction that was very um, uh, touch-focused. Uh, and that made the, the non-touch interface kind of wonky. Um, and then they ended up with Windows 10, which is, a, I think, a good balance between... Touch interface and non-touch interface. Yeah, what I like when I bad like things seven. happen to good people. The podcast about <laughs> Microsoft products. <laughs> as we as we oh. desperately try to fill up time until we're done an hour. Um, <laughs> what else can we digress on? Um, maybe we should wrap it up early. Yeah, I think so. All right, one last call uh, in case anyone wants to, to call in or say hello or throw something in the chat uh, for us to talk about. Uh, do you have any opinions on which is the worst Windows platform or <laughs> other important topics that we've covered today? Do you have a favorite band, book, or film you'd like us to cover at some point in the future? I mean, I know we've talked about our plans until January, but is that a mushroom? That's so a squid. It's a toot. It's a oh, toot. it's like a fart. You farted at me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have toots in my. We're classy here. We're classy. We're classy here. Well, I am. I don't have any toots in mine. I just have a. I have a shocked poop guy. <laughs> I've got. All right, Todd. I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening and hanging out with us um we'll be back in a couple of weeks as i said with i am jazz my xbox is making noise in the background i hope that's getting picked up um and yeah if you like what we're doing you can support us on patreon um we've got a few different levels of support there everything from two dollars up to five hundred dollars if you are a wealthy person uh, who has <laughs> bad taste in podcasts and Bad investment instincts. Um, it's blah 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 media. B l a h b l a h b l a h media. 
And that comes at the end of Patreon.com. I said that all wrong. It's Patreon.com slash blah, 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 media. B-L-A-H, 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 media. <laughs> that supports this podcast as well as what I mentioned earlier, Half Cut Conspiracies, because uh, we're... Wait, how do you spell blah of... again? B-L-A-H. <laughs> oh, right, right. Got it. Yeah. Three, three times b-l-a-h b-l-a-h okay 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 i was thinking i might uh i might register um b-l-a-h-3 like blah cubed as okay as a domain name as well that might be i still think you just need to switch it to toddcasts yeah there is somebody out there who does um a toddcast right now and i was also i also wanted to at one point the very first podcast idea i had was to do a podcast called the toddcast and it was going to be about, I get a bunch of email for other Todd Sullivan's in the oh, world. Yeah, that's right. And so I was going to have a podcast that was just me uh, reading all of the different emails I got uh, with like a like a, a low, sexy ASMR kind of voice. And uh, and then also, um, there was also going to be like the, the this a Todd, a historical Todd or this Todd in history where I'd you know, <laughs> look at a historical Todd. And then, you know, give that Todd a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a rate a Todd. I don't know what it was going to be called. But, um, <laughs> it was, it was, I give, this I give was this before Todd three I, Todds out of five. <laughs> three Todds out of five. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. But know, what you, would be the legality behind reading an email that was meant for another Todd Sullivan? Even uh, it, because I you it. got it. it yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Like it's, you know, even if they put in that whole, like this, it was not in, this was intended for blah, blah, blah. And if you're not the intended person, then you have to delete it, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't do anything, right? Because oh, okay. that implies, like, that forces you into a contract without your consent, right? Right, right. Um, so yeah, it's like about- it's literally if somebody broke into my house and left their diary in the middle of it, <laughs> that's pretty much what's happening with those emails, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So I mean, I would just out of um, personal uh, kindness, I'd leave out, you know, things like their address, um, things like that. But uh, yeah, I had a, I got a bunch. There was have one you kept them all over the years? No, not all of them. But I've kept many of them. I oh, have okay. a, I have a folder in my in my Gmail inbox <laughs> called Todd Two that I file all those things to. Um, and there have been times that like I've I've been pretty sure I've gotten enough personal information that I could that I could do some kind of identity theft. Um, obviously, I haven't. And if I had, I wouldn't admit it on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but it's just a reminder of like how how important some of that those digital details of your life are and and how mm-hmm. like email especially um if you lose your email like you've pretty much lost everything else because every other service you use um you can reset your password to those things through your email so right. as soon as somebody gets access to your email they can reset your access to your credit card to your this to your that like anything they want to get into they can so like if you got to have one secure password on something, it's got to be your email or protect um, your emails. Protect your email, yeah. Make sure you have a secure password and don't uh, tell other people the wrong email address so that somebody else gets all of your super important <laughs> mail. Uh, okay, I think that's it for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been when bad things happen to good people. I am Todd Sullivan, and I am Oren Barter, and I'm playing the outro actually hey it's working you are you did it you did it thanks for listening everybody